Hey everyone, and welcome to Pixels, a show where we talk about video games. Imagine that. That's incredible and interesting. Uh, at least we try to make it interesting. It's been an interesting week for me. I'm going to do this show solo um, because uh, my son was sick. And uh, when that happens, those who have children know that everything becomes completely unmanageable and now um, we are preparing for our trip to Japan we're going to be spending a week in Japan hopefully if all goes well if we don't get sick and stopped at the airport for fear of uh, some strange virus um, we don't have a fever or anything like that so we should be okay but it means that the week is crazy and this show is late and uh, yeah so we're going to be doing that in that uh, crazy mode but there are some super interesting bits of news. Uh, news from Microsoft, reports from Sony, um, GeForce Now is having issues, and a bunch of other things. So let's get right into it. I am Patrick Beja, and uh, I'm really happy that you're listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. With first... The news dump from Microsoft, um, it's kind of a, a slow burn on news from the next generation. It feels like some kind of Mexican announcement standoff, um, or rather announcement Mexican standoff between Sony and Microsoft. None of them want to give um, enough information so that the other can react, and still they need to inform the public. So it's like this uh, little drip from Microsoft's side. And Sony, we feel, is waiting. And there might be a reason for that. It wouldn't be surprising by everyone's estimation that the core issue there is the price of the units. Uh, both the cost, because they are quite powerful and require um, a lot more manufacturing cost and expertise than uh, the previous generation, and uh, the, the price, of course, which is the key component in any uh, product release, especially on the uh, console side. So we'll get to the price concerning PlayStation specifically in a second. But uh, Microsoft has made a, a bunch of announcements, uh, confirmed the power of the uh, Xbox Series X, which is 12 teraflops, uh, which is a little bit um, higher, I believe, or around the same numbers as the um, NVIDIA uh, 1080, uh, 2080 GPU. The reason I'm not uh, putting too much importance on the comparison between the console uh, power numbers and the PC cards equivalents is that they don't mean a lot because the consoles are very optimized. And if you don't know, the previous generation or the current generation, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, actually have, by PC standards, pretty weak um, CPU and GPUs. They were fairly cheap when they were released, uh, kind of underpowered, and still the console... Uh, graphics managed to be roughly equivalent to that of PC. Now, PC gamers are going to take issue with that statement. Of course, it's not as good, especially towards the end of the generation. But uh, I would say until ray tracing became a thing a year ago on PC, consoles were pretty much uh, on par uh, with what was happening on PC. Pretty much. Like, you would need to be a, a fairly big geek to notice the difference. Um, so that's why I'm not doing a direct comparison between the two, but 12 teraflops 
being on the top end of what's possible on PC now means that on consoles, it's going to be uh, significantly more powerful and more graphically intensive um, looks than on the previous generation, at least. So that's good to know. Um, of course, confirmation that there is hardware uh, ray tracing, that it was almost a given, um, and a couple of other little tidbits on the graphics side um that's for those who keep count twice the power of the of the xbox one x which is currently the most powerful console on the market um there's going to be support for 8k and 120 hertz and a bunch of other things through hdmi which enable the console to tell the TV that it wants uh, low latency, fast resp uh, response rate, and the TV will adapt, stuff like that, which is pretty cool, but kind of quality of life um, improvements. Um, the, the, the big, big feature, oh, the other one, multi-game resume, so you can pause them and uh, you will resume your game on more than one game, which is the quick resume is the current, uh, current feature just for one uh, game and but the, the even more interesting thing is the push that microsoft is saying i kind of buried the lead here um the push that microsoft is doing on uh, ecosystem meaning the the, the 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 games you buy are for the Xbox ecosystem, not, not just for this one generation. So if you buy a game on Xbox One, you will automatically have the Xbox uh, Series X version as well. Which is, you know, it's not that you get the same game you can play on the next generation console through backwards compatibility. You get the version that was specifically designed for that next generation. Um, so that's a little bit of a difference because we've seen in, in previous generations, especially this last one, games that were um, developed for the previous generation and then uh, improved significantly for the next one. And you had to buy it again if you wanted to play it again. I'm thinking, I think most notably, um, the, 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 the Last of Us game is one that comes to mind that many people bought again on PlayStation. And uh, Microsoft is tracing a line in the sand and they're saying it's going to be uh, for Microsoft Game Studios games, which is a number of them, but they will also encourage third-party um, developers to do the same. And uh, CD Projekt Red has already announced that it will be the case for Cyberpunk 2077. Of course, this is a feature that is uh, especially useful on that period of transition, because that's when you know the next consoles are going to be coming out. Maybe you don't want to buy one immediately, but you can purchase the game uh, without fear of being, you know, losing it when you upgrade your console. So it is a great incentive for people to uh, join the Xbox ecosystem. And it's something that is incredibly consumer friendly, which is born from that competition. I believe they're doing it because it's a new way of thinking about their service. They're thinking about service more than device, but um, it's pushing the entire industry in the right direction. And it will be difficult not only for other third party developers 
to not adopt that feature if more and more of them do it because you really look like the bad guy. Um, some don't care. I'm sure some, I think some will uh, offer a small upgrade fee as they have in uh, the previous generation. It's happened that you pay 10 extra bucks and you get the new version as well. I think that will still happen. Um, but it it is not going to be uh, the standard, I don't think. So we'll see there. And not only will it push the third-party uh, developers to do it, it will also push Sony to do that as well, um, I believe. When they finally <laughs> announce something about uh, the PlayStation 5, other than the name and logo... I think they have to follow suit because if they don't, it is a significant competitive disadvantage and they look like the bad guys. Um, if you have to buy the wonderful exclusive games that Sony is putting out for PlayStation 4, but then in six months when you get your PlayStation 5, you can only play them uh, in PlayStation 4 version, and there's, this, there's the shiny, uh, higher resolution, better textures, uh, ray tracing PlayStation 5 version that's right next to you and you can't get it because you made the dumb mistake of buying it six months ago, um, that would be an issue. So I think they're going to have to um, announce a similar feature. And Announcing similar features and announcing uh, competitive pricing is, I think, one of the reasons why uh, Sony is trying to wait as long as possible. I think they're reaching the... Um, the, the, the limit of the, the player's patience with all of this, I think now with every week or month that goes by, Microsoft is looking um, better and better because they're giving us some cool stuff uh, to look forward to. And it was cute for a long time for Sony to enjoy its lead, but I think now it's going to only now start to affect it a little bit negatively, or rather it's a, a loss of opportunity, I suppose. Uh, and they, sh I think uh, they can regain it, of course, as soon as they make a big announcement with, the, um, with their PlayStation 5 uh, features, if they are satisfactory. But uh, it makes it this, uh, not significantly, but a little bit more difficult as time goes by. They, they are starting to leave um, a, a free... Uh, hands and avenue to Microsoft, which uh, I'm sensing in a completely empiric manner, uh, the, the sentiment of the uh, gaming population shifting towards Microsoft. And um, that, that I, it seems that from the reports we're getting, the big issue there is that uh, Sony isn't sure what their price is going to be because the console, as we mentioned, is going to be quite expensive. Uh, I believe the cost, the estimated cost is 450 American dollars um, on PlayStation 4. They made 20 bucks per console, but that's unusual. I've seen a lot of... Uh, people reference that data point and saying, oh, they made money. And uh, Nintendo actually always makes money on every console they sell. But that is uh, almost an anomaly. Usually the way it works in this industry is that the consoles themselves are loss leaders and uh, the manufacturers lose a little bit of money on the consoles, which they recoup on games and uh, licensing fees. Um, so that I think it wouldn't be incredibly surprising for Sony to uh, put up a price of 450 bucks 
and and obviously since that's just the manufacturing cost it would be they would be losing a little bit of money um and and that wouldn't surprise me a lot especially since 450 is still a little bit higher than the sweet spot of 399 um for those who uh, for the PlayStation 4 when it's launched when it launched which was the right price at the launch of a console i think and that's what the market has shown um so 450 if they have good arguments i think it could it could work um i think 499 would be a, a mistake uh depending of course and that's the big <laughs> question mark on what the my, what microsoft does because they have said that the series x is going to be expensive um i guess at this point we're expecting it to be over 500 bucks which is very expensive but we're also expecting it to be um or at least i'm expecting uh, there to be uh, the xbox series s i think everyone uh, agrees that's probably going to happen which is going to be cheaper and probably is going to be maybe 299 even two or 349 um so sony is going to be in an interesting situation um and and it's going to have to decide do we uh, we're going to have to be between the two uh but there the pricing becomes interesting and again i think uh that's the thing they're keeping close to their vests both of them and uh the thing they're waiting for the other one to make clear um before they go at it themselves uh so I don't know. As I said, Sony has enjoyed a lead in the uh, sentiment in the gaming community for this generation, but I sense that lead is eroding now. So they could wait and just say, you know, we'll show up when we show up. And uh, now it, they're going to have to start. I, I mean, obviously, we're going to see um, something at or before E3, so it's only about three months or so. So they can still wait three months, but um, it it has to happen. And and as time goes on, they can't uh, afford to have a miss there. They, you can never afford to have a miss there. But Microsoft has shown us so much and so many cool things that if Sony doesn't land it, uh, doesn't stick the landing rather. It, it, the, the backlash is going to be stronger. I guess that's a good way of putting it. Um, they've waited so long and they've been so stingy with the details. We've had time to rally around Microsoft. And if Sony doesn't uh, uh, stick that landing, the backlash is going to be easier to... Uh, you know, to to get out of hand and it's going to be, oh, but Microsoft does this and that and that and you don't even, uh, uh, you know, give us this. So I, I think they've learned their lesson from the PlayStation 3 and they're not going to um, have an excess of hubris like they did uh, back then, but uh, we'll see. So hopefully it will happen fairly soon. Oh, and another tidbit. Uh, the coronavirus, according to one analyst firm, Trendforce, the coronavirus should not affect um, the next-gen console production, rough, uh, mostly. Um, the, the issue of price and uh, getting some uh, GDDR RAM is, is still a very big problem because everything needs that kind of RAM now, you know, smartphones, and there are so many of them, and all of those devices and so they're difficult to come by. And the next-gen consoles, especially with SSDs and, and all of that, are uh, uh, they would be difficult to, to put together and expensive to put together no matter what. But it seems the coronavirus is going to affect a lot of production in tech, but not so much the gaming consoles, the next-generation gaming consoles. So uh, 
I guess that's reassuring for our hobby in a world where everything is crazy. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about uh, GeForce Now, which lost... So GeForce Now launched uh, two, three weeks ago, and it's a, a pretty cool service, a little bit janky on the UI side, as I said. Um, lots of great things. It works uh, as a service, period. But uh, Activision Blizzard has pulled their games from the service. Um, essentially, it's a little bit murky on why and what happened. But what I could discern, my understanding from everything we've seen, was that um, uh, Activision Blizzard was working with um, NVIDIA on the service when it was in beta. And my guess is that they had told NVIDIA, once you launch, before you launch, let us know because we need to... Uh, to, to hammer out a deal, a licensing deal probably, or they, they, they want to, uh, if it's a commercial service, they want to have more thought put into it. Um, and NVIDIA apparently didn't understand that or pushed without it just to show that it could work, who knows. But now they have uh, taken them away from the service, so they're not available on GeForce Now anymore. No Activision Blizzard game is available on the GeForce Now service. And now we've learned that Bethesda Softworks has also pulled their games. Uh, I think they, they left Wolfenstein Youngblood, uh, but everything else is off the service. So this might seem like a, a bad sign for streaming games. I think it's actually a really good sign. Um, even though Stadia... Oh, I, I canceled my Stadia subscription, by the way. It's just <laughs> as as uh, lackluster as I expected the service to be in its implementation, even though I, I absolutely love the technical aspects, as lackluster as I expected it to be, I didn't expect it to be that borked, <laughs> and um, Google has ex exceeded my expectations there. But um, I still uh, believe in the service very much when it, quote-unquote, uh, really launches when this free version launches as well. Uh, I think they're, they've gone back into uh, underground submarine mode and they're going to be working on that a little bit more seriously and we'll see it emerge in a few months, maybe a year now. I, I thought it would be, we would hear uh, sooner, but the fact that they didn't offer um, extra months to founders is what is making me think they're kind of going into, we we borked it, we're going to improve it seriously, and uh, we'll relaunch kind of for the free launch, for the relaunch. This is definitely a long-term beta, I think. Um, we'll see, though. It might it might come sooner than, than expected, but I don't think we'll see anything change before, you know, uh, uh, at least the, the middle of the year. And uh, so, yeah, what that means to me is that the uh, game streaming future is happening and they're all thinking about i mean not we all know it's happening but it's getting serious not that it's oh no one wants it and it's borked and it doesn't work i think it's the opposite i think it's getting serious and all of those companies are starting to think about how they want to approach that aspect of the industry. Um, they're thinking about how the licensing is going to work. They're thinking about how their um, strategy is going to work. Maybe some of them are going to uh, use uh, 
Google, actually, as I mentioned many times when we first heard about them, that uh, Google also wants to sell the service as a white box um, uh, uh, service for other companies. It might be that Bethesda or uh, Activision Blizzard or others are thinking maybe we should have our own streaming service, which leverages uh, Google or uh, Microsoft or Amazon technology. And um, that is... I think what is happening. So it's not going to uh, coalesce right away. It might take a few months, maybe a couple of years, but that's how I'm reading the situation. Um, so a uh, streaming service Battle.net or a, a Bethesda streaming service is absolutely possible. And the, the of course, there are going to be people who complain about having a million launchers and a million different services. Um, this is not like, well, first of all, they're all available everywhere. So it's not the same as being present on multiple platforms. You just need to be available on one and everyone has access to it. So it's not like being on PlayStation and um, Xbox. It's a little bit different. Of course, if you have people who subscribe to one service, you might want to uh, navigate that in the same way that uh, TV shows navigate streaming services, it's possible. But um, if, let's say, Activision Blizzard launches a streaming service uh, with or without a subscription, it doesn't matter. Maybe they say, you know, you own um, uh, Overwatch. Well, you own Overwatch, you can now stream it from anywhere that has a good connection uh, with your Battle.net client. That's it. You don't need um, any... And, and in that case... They don't need to be present on other uh, launch launchers or systems because it's already available everywhere, especially if they create an, uh, uh, a UI for uh, Apple TV and other TV boxes and an app that does the same thing and stuff like that. So it will be the launcher situation on every uh, device. Again, meaning some people complain about having more than one launcher on PC but it's a minor inconvenience compared to not having the games available at all. So you could have all of those games available on your TV without the need for a console or a specific device. So that's a pretty big change. Um, so yeah, anyway, I don't know if I made myself clear on that strategy. I'm a little bit <laughs> tired and sick, but the, the the gist of it is they're all thinking about it and we, we might see those uh, uh, decisions emerge in the next few months. Uh, bad news for uh, GeForce, though, and especially the fact that the UI is so, uh, uh, you know, welded together uh, in an approximate manner. I think long term, I'm not sure that service is going to be the prime choice unless they find some kind of partnership. They did, you know, Cyberpunk is going to be on it, but CD Projekt Red already has a partnership with NVIDIA anyway. And so I think that is not uh, as significant as some people might think. Although, um, Cyberpunk is going to be everywhere. I, I think it's, it, I wouldn't be surprised if it's also on um, Stadia and xCloud and stuff like that. But um, I mean, at the current, in the current state of things, when Cyberpunk releases um, and you don't have an RTX uh, super powerful gaming rig, you'll be able to play it if if you buy it um, on, you know, Steam or whatever platform, which is uh, available on GeForce Now as well, 
You can play it at home with your computer, and then you can also play it in the best version it can be with the RTX ray tracing graphic cards uh, through the streaming service. So the streaming service. So yeah, that is a little bit significant, but I don't think it's going to make or break the service. Um, yeah, uh, we got some E3 news and, uh, the slow demise of that, uh, conference of that show is being confirmed. Jeff Keighley mentioned he wasn't going to be there for the E3 Coliseum, uh, with a message that was like, essentially they're going in a direction that I don't like, uh, he was very polite and very diplomatic as, as Keighley, uh, is known to be. But um, he was being a little bit, dis not dismissive, but like, I don't think they're making the right choices is what it came down to. And more importantly, um, he the, he's not going there. So he's estimating that uh, it's not necessary for his career image. It's not as important as other things he's having the opportunity to do. Maybe he's going to host a PlayStation thing. Who knows? Maybe he's still going to be around E3, but uh, not for the ESA that does E3. He's also going to be at Gamescom for their launch thing, which was, you know, pretty cool last year. So he's still doing stuff, but um, not at E3. And I don't think E3 is going to go away. I think it's still going to be a, a major moment in the gaming industry, even down the line. Um, it's always going to be, you know, just like... CES still happens, even though, uh, you know, big companies like Apple and uh, actually Samsung is still there around it, but a few companies have their own events. I think it, it's, it, it didn't kill CES, but I think uh, the, the, the E3, yeah, E3 is going to be in the same mode. There are still a ton of smaller companies that cannot uh, afford to have their own uh, event. I mean, they could have a, a streaming announcement or something, but there's not enough attention on them for it to to warrant it as a strategy. So they still need the big gathering that E3 is going to be, even without Sony and Keeley and maybe a few others that might pull out. So, um, so Microsoft is still there as well in, you know, technically, because they have their Microsoft theater um, and they... But... but it's still going to be a focal point, maybe less uh, than before, of course, but I think it's still going to be a focal point. Still, it's gotten, um, it's it's in a less of a, it's in a worse groove than it was and than I thought it was going to be um, a, a few months ago. Sony pulling out as well is definitely uh, more of a blow than I thought. So, um yeah, the, the trend is not going great for E3. Uh, the coronavirus is... Uh, it, GDC, a few companies pulled out, but it's still uh, happening. I don't think coronavirus is, is going to be um, impacting E3, but boy, if they still... Normally, the flu season is from October to June, so it should be tapering off um, towards the uh, end of uh, the fall, the, the, the spring. But who knows? We don't know exactly how the coronavirus works, and uh, it it might happen that it affects it beyond this. But if there are <laughs> still coronavirus uh, concerns around E3, that would be 
boy, that's like, <laughs> I mean, it's mostly online anyway, um, but it, it would be yet another thing that poor ESA has to contend with. Uh, it's unlikely though. Um, but yeah, GDC is still happening, but uh, Kamij- Ko- uh, Kojima Productions, I think Sony uh, has pulled out, um, uh, Facebook and uh, Oculus have pulled out, so it's, it's affecting everything. Um, all right, we have a, another few tidbits of news, but I do want to talk about my uh, the games I've played before my son got sick. So I played a little bit of uh, Yakuza Kiwami, which is so f- really fun. I'm really liking uh, the the series. I didn't expect it to be as narrative driven, and I can completely get how it's become a niche um cult classic that series i mean in japan it's super super popular but in the west uh, uh, it's less well known it's getting a little bit um better known now with the spread of those versions of uh, yakuza and kiwami which is the remake um for the first and second one and it's also available on uh, the xbox game pass is it now at least on the xbox period um so it's it's very narrative narrative driven and the open world aspect you can almost skip it entirely at least for the little bit that i've seen i i haven't had big uh power issues when i skip the side quest uh, aspect of things so it's a, a fun game i'm i wish i had more time to put into it it's it's quite long though so i don't think i'll be able to finish it uh, but yeah, Yakuza is a thing, and this, the seventh one uh, is going to come to the West, I think, this year, so I'll be keeping my eye out for that one. I played uh, Temtem, the um, and uh, the Pokemon thing-like thing on PC, and I was like, oh, this is cute, you know, maybe that will be my... Um, Uh, my opportunity to get into a Pokemon-like thing, finally. And I I really was looking forward to it. And I bought it. And boy, after about half an hour, I hated it so much that I just, for the first time in my life, asked for a refund. It's been like two or three weeks and I haven't heard back from Steam. (laughs) They don't want to pay me back, I guess, but um, maybe it takes that long. I I don't know. But um, wow, it is not a game for me. Lots of people enjoying it. There are even, you know, additional content coming and um, the, the early access is going well. But wow, that like I never noped out of a game as quickly as this one, I don't think. Um, It's weird because I was really going to trying to get into it but uh yeah i guess pokemon is definitely not for me i'll keep trying maybe one day with once a version of that thing evolves a little bit uh by the way if you like nintendo franchises that you think should come on pc but don't uh and you like uh pokemon temtem might be for you if you like animal crossing um what's it called there's another game also in early access i believe let me oh hoko life Um, is also coming to Steam and looks very much like Animal Crossing. So if you want your fix before uh, New Horizons comes out on Switch, then maybe you can try that one. Hoko Life. Uh, And I also played uh, Scourgebringer. It is so cool. That one I really like. Uh, It's on Game Pass on PC. And um, it is uh, early access, but it's essentially uh, Celeste with fighting 
and um, it's a roguelike roguelite uh, that is you know pixel graphics retro style and um, it but it reworks it's each level is so you start and you have like one screen with enemies that appear and you jump and start slashing and when you slash your um you stay in place in the geometry the 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 uh, verticality of the level and then you can dash and do a heavy blow to stun the bigger enemies and uh slash again and you dash again it is like a, a an aerial ballet of death in um, uh, uh, pixel art it is really cool i really like it um it's it's the kind of game that you get it's it very fast paced the kind of game you have to get in the zone of but uh it works completely like the promise of having a battle celeste uh is is completely fulfilled so it's a mix between celeste and let's say dark souls uh, not Dark Souls, sorry. Um, uh, Dead Cells, <laughs> D and S, uh, both games. But yeah, it it completely works. I really like it. It's Scourgebringer, Scourgebringer, um, and it's only on PC now. On I think it might be on on uh, not just on the Xbox Game Pass. You can buy it as well. But uh, that game on Switch is going to be perfect once it comes out. Um, yeah, so those are the games I played. And then uh, there's a few additional tidbits of news. Uh, there's a, a leak, not a leak, a LinkedIn profile of, what's his face? Um, the head of, wait, I'm going to find his name because um, that is how professionals do it. Although I can't find his find his name in this article there you go. Uh, Nick Van Dyck, the president of uh, Activision Blizzard uh, Licensing, something like that. He posted an update to his LinkedIn page um, and he is uh, working on a series for over, a Netflix series for Overwatch and a Netflix series for Diablo, which is uh, uh, kind of expected and kind of finally. And um, the the one is uh, comics, uh, uh, anime style. One is just comic style. It makes a lot of sense. I, I have a little bit of trepidation about it. I'm, I want it to be good. And everyone says, you know, everyone always says, oh, Blizzard should make long form entertainment and series and stuff like that. I agree, but it's very different to make a three minutes cutscene and an actual 10 episodes um, series. And if they externalize the writing and, and that part of it, uh, so first of all, it's very difficult to go from short trailer essentially extended trailer to full-on storytelling and maybe they can do it um it's they do it in well in some of their games a little bit less well in others but it's not a guarantee it's not because the cutscenes and the trailers are great that they can make a great uh, 10 episode series and the other thing is if they give it out to someone else uh, that's also kind of a gamble. So I want to see it. I'm happy that it's happening, but I'm a little bit anxious about it still. Um, BioWare has announced officially that it is redesigning Anthem. And we kind of knew it was happening, but they've said they are working, they are reworking the, fundament the fundamentals of the game, which, hallelujah, 
uh, I'm really look. I'm actually excited about this because Anthem had such a fun promise. It is such a terrible uh, <laughs> uh, uh, realization of that promise, but I think it can work. And um, it it's not going to happen now. the The way it's going to happen is still unclear are we going to need to buy it again or buy an expansion i guess they can't do that if they want to um if they don't want you know gamers to go to their offices and burn them um but it's um we'll see i'm happy that they haven't abandoned that they're confirming they haven't abandoned it and that it's uh it's still um in the works and uh, finally we got some news about project a the of fps from riot games it seems to be very much csgo and very little overwatch which makes sense that is the ethos that uh, riot seems to go after in league of legends but also in legends of runeterra and um you know their card game and it it would make a lot of sense for them to go after a more competitive hardcore audience that they um that they want to serve extremely well unlike blizzard which tries to uh, widen the appeal of the style of games they uh, create which has always been the case by the way there are people lamenting the fact that oh blizzard is going too casual uh but they ignore uh, what Blizzard actually is and what they have always done. They have joined Blizzard at a certain point of their history and um, have thought that this was what Blizzard should be forever, where Blizzard really has always tried to uh, extend the appeal of games and make them easy to get into. Uh, of course, there's always a lot of strategy and, and a lot of deep um, uh, mastering happening, obviously, but... The entire career of Blizzard has been make games more accessible. And uh, it was the case for World of Warcraft, which a lot of uh, Blizzard gamers um, joined and, and became Blizzard gamers at that point. And they don't remember. They think, oh, we need hardcore aspects of the game like it was in Classic. They don't remember that Classic was incredibly casual compared to MMOs at the time. Um, and it was criticized for that at that point. So it's just uh, funny that there's still this ha sentiment happening. But um, anyway, the, the tangent on, on Blizzard notwithstanding, uh, it makes a lot of sense for Riot to go after that market because they have shown, and that category of gamers, because they have shown that with an uncompromising uh design for League of Legends, they can uh, attract a very uh, faithful and numerous, uh, you know, a large uh, community of gamers. So the, having a um, hardcore philosophy design doesn't mean that you're going to restrict and, and limit your reach and, and it can still be extremely successful. So I think that's what they're going after for Project A as well. Um, and they're going after the CSGO crowd, which is a little bit... Well, CSGO is still a huge game, a, a very uh, successful game to this day. It's very old, but very successful. But it's ripe for disruption, I guess. Um, and uh, the estimation is that it will probably go after those players and not so much about uh, uh, after the 
Overwatch uh, crowd, which we weren't sure of because the first images we had seen of Project A showed uh, a little bit of an emphasis on the powers and on the hero shooter aspect of it. But uh, yeah, it seems that's not the focus of it. Um, I guess there are a few other uh, tidbits. Um, Facebook is buying more game, more studios for uh, Oculus. They bought uh, Sanzar Games, which made Asgard's Wrath. So uh, yeah, VR, they're still being active in VR. Um, Star Citizen had a record-breaking year in crowdfunding, which still blows my mind every time <laughs> that that happens. Um, Half-Life Alex will be available March 23rd, talking about VR. So we have a date for that. Um, the No Man's Sky is still getting major updates. Again, I can't believe, like, they have done so well. Like, if you want to see a redemption story for a studio, uh, I think Hello Games is the poster child for that. The, um, there's a Borderlands movie happening, so that's pretty cool. And, uh, Sonic, talking about movies, Sonic, Sonic has been very successful, which... Again, I didn't expect, but uh, it seems that people liked it. I had an opportunity to go see it, and then I remembered I hate Jim Carrey, and I'm not so much of a Sonic fan. So uh, maybe I'll see it at some point. Maybe in the plane it will be uh, showing, and I'll watch it then. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege it should be available for PS5 and Xbox Series X at launch, which I think is a genius move on uh, Ubisoft's part. They have um, made a game that is very popular and over time became uh, super, uh, like the community was very active. And I, th but I think that a lot of people are looking at it and thinking, "Oh, is it a good idea to get into it now? And should I, you know, should I buy it now? It's been out for so long." But when the the new consoles launch, you want you're hungry for new stuff, and that thing that you already know is very popular and very cool. Um, I think it's going to see an uptick uh, when you, you want some uh, quick, cheap, but still good launch titles and uh, references when you're, you just bought your console. I think this is going to be um, a, a really strong uh, move for Ubisoft on the next generation. So, um, yeah, there, there's more New Horizons news from the Nintendo Direct, which, honestly, it's kind of... Uh, uh, very de detaily details, so I'm not going to get into them. And um, I guess that's about it. Yeah, let's let's call it a day. I'm tired and sick, and uh, have stuff to do, and a Phineas Club to record in a couple of hours. So I'm gonna go and take a shower, and then have some food. Too much detail? Maybe. But uh, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed my little rants. Um, uh, since this show was late, the next one is not going to be next week, obviously. I'm going to be in Japan, so we're going to delay it uh, to the next uh, episode, so it's going to be a couple of weeks. But uh, we'll have some... We'll be close to the release of uh, New Horizons and, um, and Doom. That's going to be funny as well. Um, and uh, when is that going to be? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, follow me on Instagram. I've been uh, doing stuff on Instagram. And of course, the Japan trip is going to be uh, chronicled on Instagram as well. 
So check that out and uh, go comment at frenchspin.com if you uh, want to do that. Uh, and I'm sure you do want to do it uh, because I'm sure I said some pretty dumb stuff on this episode as I uh, want to, to do. And uh, yeah, not Patrick on Instagram, also on Twitter. And I'll talk to you in a few weeks. Oh, last thing. If you have uh, super geeky, nerdy advice about things to do in, in Tokyo, uh, I'll obviously go to Akihabara, not for the electronics, because that's not what you do there, but uh, for the retro gaming stuff, super potato, stuff like that. So I haven't been to Tokyo. I've lived there for a few years and I've been on a regular basis, but haven't been in a few years. If you have some advice um, for, the, for recent stuff and recommendations, please let me know. That would be uh, very welcome. All right. Now I'm really gone. Bye. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.